and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore-focused writer over on Blizzard Watch, although he's known to write about warriors, like, every now and again, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hi, Rossi. Hey, everybody. Uh, I, I'm not leveling, like, my seventh level 100 warrior or anything right now, because that would be crazy. <laughs> That would be crazy. You've only got seven. See, uh, I this thought, will be my seventh. I've uh, got will be your seventh. OK, yeah, this will be my seventh. I've actually I've, I've branched out. I have like other classes now at 100. Well, that's good. Yeah, but but this will be my seventh level 100 warrior. All right. Well, uh, our other co-host is also no slouch to the lore as well as shaman and other various sundry things. And that would be Joe Perez. Say hey, Joe. Hey everybody! I only have five level one hundred shaman. I feel like I'm like not holding a flame to to Rossi in this regard. I gotta step it up. See, back in the old days, man, I would I had like one level one hundred for every race, and that I was like have was like two max level characters of the same class, and they're druids. Well, one see, is I alliance, have to... one is horde, and the whole reason that I had them at max level was because they were gathering things for me. That's it. See, and for me, it was I had to have one of every spec, and then I had to have you know Jeez. one for one for each faction on like you know multiples on the side and and stuff like that. So I just wound up like I think it was Wrath. I wound up with five max level shaman, and it was you know two horde, three alliance, and then I just as expansions goes like well, I mean they're already there. It's like a short grind to the top. Okay, I'll just keep them up. So I just kept doing it and then kept doing it and then I'm going to do it again. See, my completionist thing is like collecting stuff. It's never been have one of every class. It's always been let's gather every rock in the game or something stupid like that. (laughs) So for me, I'll tell you the truth. For me, it's this expansion that's made me pick it back up. Oh, yeah. Because before it was Mm -hmm. there was no realm transfer or any of that stuff back when I started. So I just when I wanted to play with friends, they were always on a different server. So I'd always have to roll a new character. So I always rolled a warrior. Right. Because I know the class. So and then I got kind of this weird thing where I'm like, I'll have one of every race. And then I was like, but wait, there's male and female versions of every race. I need to have one of each so that they have different animations. And then, of course, you know, they they netted me and took me to an asylum. But I escaped and continued to play World of Warcraft. But going into this expansion. So you did get the file on the cake. Okay, good. I I need to see (laughs) all the artifact stuff. Like all three of them on multiple characters. I it is to... a lot of lore to. It is. Take in. It really is. Yeah. I mean, and I need to see thought, it on my paladin. You oh. thought Warlords of Draenor had a lot of lore in the leveling experience? I think that Legion probably eclipses that by a good margin. Yeah. Oh, I'm just hoping that the end game, um, once you get to that point, once you get to max level, like the max level content, holds up just as well as the leveling experience is right now. Because the leveling experience is something extraordinary. However, um, we are kind of getting off topic here and not talking about lore at all. And we probably should do that because this is a lore podcast. Well, I mean, yes. we are kind of talking about our motivations behind doing this is lore right. based. So I mean, kind of, okay, yeah, let's go. Anyway, uh, Rossi wasn't here last time. We had Mitch and we were talking about Demon Hunters. Rossi's back. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about what we didn't talk about last time and that's the audio drama that came out the Tomb of Sargeras and we're also going to talk about Gul'dan, we're going to talk about Khadgar, we're going to talk about maybe a little bit of Medivh because there's some craziness going on there that I want to talk about um, but I definitely as far as with the Tomb of Sargeras audio audio drama that came out that I wanted you here to talk about Rossi because I know 
you're going to have loads to say about cooldown. So mm-hmm. why don't you just go ahead and start? <laughs> well, for starters, um, if you if you listen to the whole thing, one of the things that struck me was that let's yet not again, start with the end of it. Uh, let's let's start with like. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, I do. In, in, overall, one of the things that's fascinating about it is how they plop Gul'dan into this situation. That Kill Jaden is not above reprimanding him via situation. Like he got dropped onto uh, Azeroth kind of unceremoniously. If you you know, he and, got kind of drop kicked through a portal. And Gul'dan, being yeah. who he is, uh, immediately responded to this. You know, when life gives you Nightfallen, make Nightfallen aid. And almost immediately kills one. But the way he kills him is so Gul'dan in that uh, the Nightfallen are, are addicted to magic. And so this guy sensed the magic in Gul'dan and tried to feed on it. So Gul'dan fed him till he exploded. That's Gul'dan's hello to Azeroth. Is he, is not only does he kill someone, he gives them an ironic death. It was kind of cruel, but yeah, that's just pretty much who Gul'dan is at this point. Well, no, that's um, perfect. It's perfect because it's like... He's he's channeling that fell energy straight through him. It's and it's also very legiony. Let's let's be honest. I'm going to kill you by giving you the thing you want the most. It was perfect. And from the from the beginning, the whole the auto drama does a really good job of showcasing not just Gul'dan's personality and not just his arrogance, but his competence. Like because we've we've gotten into our heads that Gul'dan is a kickover that we can just take him out whenever we want. And here you get to see Gul'dan isn't at all. You know you can't just push him over. You can't just ignore him. He's not. He's not. He's not. You know, just some guy you raid and and defeat. He's a serious threat, and he demonstrates it by not only evading the Watchers. He evades Cadgar, who's looking for him. He he. You know, Cadgar. And Cadgar's not one of those people that's easily avoided. No. I mean, those not. little those little arcane construct things that he sends out. Man, those things can find me anywhere. They've done a really good job of setting up the Cadgar Gul'dan conflict. And also they did a good job of addressing something that you talked about, which was probably something you want to pick up at this point. But the idea of this Gul'dan versus the other Gul'dan, because up till now, we have never had a direct statement as to whether or not Gul'dan knows. Yeah, we didn't have any kind of direct confirmation about whether or not we actually talked about that in the last show where we weren't sure whether Gul'dan really knew it wasn't the last show. It was the last show where you were here, Rossi. Yeah. We, we talked about it where we weren't sure exactly if Gul'dan was aware of his other self or if he'd been told about his other self or how much the Legion had told him when they approached him in that, uh, in that animated short. And now we've actually got some clarification on that. And it turns out that, yes, they did tell Gul'dan what was going on up to a point. And it's almost kind of a direct parallel to what Garrosh showed his father. He showed him the history of the First and Second War, like, up to a point. Up to the point where Thrall starts doing good stuff. And then he, like, cut it off right there. Because he's like, I don't want you to like that orc. He's a bad guy. I'm just going to show you this other stuff that happened. Um, And as far as Gul'dan is concerned, they showed him what he had done. But they didn't show him how that other Gul'dan had died they but didn't he, even tell him <laughs> well he knew but he knows that he that that Gul'dan died like, he, he knows, knows that, that he did but he didn't know the circumstances mm-hmm. around it like he had no idea that it was because the legion like a horde of angry demons ripped him apart he wasn't he wasn't aware of that so I thought it was interesting that we finally got 
direct confirmation of, oh, there was another Gul'dan. Okay, so this is not the same Gul'dan. This is a different Gul'dan. And I mean, that's pretty much what we've been assuming all along, but it was never really directly confirmed, and it was directly confirmed here. And Um, what's interesting here, too, is not just that we now know that he knows, but how angry it made him. Yeah. To be constantly compared to the other Gul'dan. Uh, He's (laughs) like, you know, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Yeah, it's like... and. The, the, the audio performance itself is really good. And one of the ways it's really good is keep, keep in mind it's one actor doing everybody. Yeah. He's doing all the voices. And one of the things I really liked about it was he captured one of my favorite characters is Maiev's Shadow Song. He, he got her. Yeah. He got Maiev's arrogance. Like, and not just her arrogance, but her, like, real lack of patience. For all that she, this is a woman who watched a guy for 10,000 years, Maiev's Shadow Song lacks patience. Uh, it, it it might make sense that she lacks patience because she's had to use so much of it. But the Maya you hear me here is not. She doesn't. She's straight up. Archmage Cadgar comes to her and she barely has time for him. Like she's like, I yeah, do whatever. Like, I do like that Maya flat out pointed out. Yeah. Yeah, we sent Cordana with you, and uh, what happened with that exactly? Yeah. You messed that up. And Cordana, or excuse me. Maiev is probably the first person to call Cadgar, like take him to task for being reckless and being, you know, all of the things that he was during Warlords. Was he powerful? Yes. Was he reckless? Absolutely. And Cordana kind of paid the cost for that. She she paid the price for that. Um, it's interesting to me because I just finished the legendary quest chain. I just finished it last week. So I got to see like all of this like in person instead of secondhand through videos and things like that. Um, and it's just interesting how quickly Cordana kind of crossed the line and decided that the Legion was a better place to be. And I mean, part of it, you could argue that part of it was the corruption, but part of it, it felt almost like an Arthas transition where she was like, you're doing enough bad things that maybe I need to join the bad side to do some good. Yeah. It was interesting that, you know, basically a lot of it came from, the fact that Cadgar was willing to torture someone. And that kind of was interesting because that's a Kirin Tor trait. Oh, yeah, they you know do it I mean? all the time. The Kirin Tor are, co- are really comfortable My first introduction to the Kirin Tor was in the Borean Tundra where they were like, hey, could you go torture this mage for a while? Yeah, and that's Cadgar goes and does that. And it's, it's, Cordana was like not down with that plan. No. So it's interesting. They're, yeah, it's very Machiavellian, which is kind of, I mean, just that personality trait for such a group that's supposed to be. I don't want to say neutral, but it's it's the it's like the Tor definition likes, of neutral. The Kirintor like to play at benevolence and neutrality, but they've always been kind of like they have the, motives. The stuff that the Kirintor does has always been kind of like on the edge of being kind of sketchy. It's it, possibly because their their origin is from like elves deciding, okay, we're going to teach humans magic so they can fight a war against trolls for us, and that's where the Dalaran comes from. That's where the Kirintor come mm-hmm. from. You know, so it's it's always been interesting to me to watch them in operation. Uh, are we, are we, we're still talking about the, the drama, right? We are, because okay. I, I kind of want to talk about as far as like the the Kirin Tor and Cadgar in particular. Kill Jaden even kind of points this out in the audio drama. He he at first he does not want Gul'dan to kill Cadgar. Yep. And he points out he will do anything to claim victory. That will be an opportunity for us later. Yep. Because Cadgar will. He'll do absolutely anything. 
So what made that interesting to me, though, too, is not only through that, but through some of the other things that we've been seeing happening with Kagar in particular through, like, the invasion event in game, and I'm starting to draw some parallels. There's lots of times we lose track of Kagar. Yeah, he just kind of, like... He's out of scene. He's out of frame. He's out of, he's out of off frame. doing yeah. his own thing. And one of the few places where we actually get to see that in action is in the animated short, the Cadgar animated mm-hmm. short, which I also love to bits. And it was kind of neat that the animated short actually had a callback to the audio drama because the demon there in Carazon Car- mm-hmm. says, oh, they were right. You would make an excellent addition. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So dang, what's going on with Cadgar exactly? I don't think... I mean, I initially wondered what was up with Cadgar. I found him really, really shady. Over the course of Warlords, he continued to be shady. But Mm -hmm. then between the audio drama and the animated short and then everything that's going on in Legion, he's kind of fallen out of that whole, oh, he's really shady area and more like, Okay, he is a good guy with good intentions, but we all know what happens to good guys with good intentions in this game. Well, plus, well, I mean, well, the, the things about Kagar gets me is there's a point in, during the quest where he says something to the effect of, I owe it to the good man he was, talking about Medivh, I owe yeah. it to the good man he was, not the puppet of Sargeras he became. Kagar's witnessed a lot of history. I mean, he he's has. firsthand witnessed it. He firsthand saw Sargeras' first attempt to pull the orcs through and how it worked. He's seen, like, you know, the death of his mentor. He's gone through the portal himself and sealed it to keep, you know, Draenor from blowing up Azeroth. He's a living witness to the, that whole period of time. And he's been sort of stuck on another world since. And I get the weird sort of sensation that Cadgar is sort of like trying to make up for all that time that he was somewhere else. Do you and know what I mean? That's almost kind of a parallel to Medivh, because I always got the impression yeah, with Medivh that he'd gone into that coma, and when he woke up from that coma, he went into overdrive, because he, you know, he went into that coma when he was, what, like 15, 16, something like that? Yeah. Just and after he woke he up, did... he, woke, he woke up in his 30s. He missed nope. a lot. Wasn't it like 10 years, or was it more like 20? It was 20. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I, and that's what I was going to kind of touch on, is there's a lot of parallels between at least in me, the characterization of Kagar and how Medivh, like, how he was. Because it's one of those things where you don't know what Kagar, what lengths he'll go to 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 try to save the world beyond what we've already seen. But those have already been pretty extreme. Well, according to Kill Jaden, anything. But And, and if, that, <laughs> if that's the case, what is anything? Like, if they if they... If he's presented with an ultimatum, like a no-win scenario where it's, you know, sacrifice yourself to me and I'll spare your world, would he do it? What are we Probably. going to see him do? Yeah. The other look, look at it this way. I mean, he's already done something that was so unthinkable to like at least one member of the Karen tour that she left. Right. You know, and the other so. thing that I'm kind of um, interested in as far as the audio drama goes is that Cadgar, I mean, Cadgar, he did not become a guardian. He did not even mention wanting to become a guardian at any point. When he went and reported the events surrounding Medivh's death to the Kirin tour, he told them that he didn't really know anything about the Council of Tirasfall. Mm-hmm. And the Six, the Council of Six, the leaders of the Kirin Tor, they didn't really know much about the Council of Tirasfall either. They were hoping that Cadgar would come back with more information about that. And he yeah. didn't. Um, well, the Council, maybe the he Council, did, but he didn't report yeah. it to them, right? Yeah, the Council of Tirasfall started out kind of as a secretive It was a secret order. society. And Even above the Kirin Tor, they don't. For people yeah. that for people that are coming from like the movie lore, 
that that was one of the things that kind of like set me off immediately in the movie was that Cadgar said, "Oh, he's in training to become a guardian." And I'm like, "Wait, how do you all know what the guardian like you you have a guardian school now? Is it like Hogwarts because it was very hush-hush in the original canon." But I mean, yeah. I understand that there was adjustments made for the movie. Um but it was one of those things that initially kind of had me confused, like right off the bat. And then I was like, nope, it's just movie lore. I'll set it to the side. Enjoy the movie. Um, as far as Cadgar is concerned, though, he never really wanted to be a guardian. And I, I can't help but think that the reason he never wanted to become one is because he saw what it did to people. Like, I mean, he saw what it did to Medivh. He saw, he witnessed in a vision, he saw Edwin mm-hmm. fighting the avatar of Sargeras face to face. And he saw her defeat it almost single-handedly defeat the thing. But then he saw what it did to her and he saw what it did to her son. And, you know, there's like part of him, I think that was like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Thanks. Um, so it's kind of interesting to me, particularly in the Legion lead up quests. Um, when he's confronted by Aladai, like the spirit of Aladai, Aladai says, oh, you you never wanted these powers, even when they were offered to you. And I'm sitting here going, well, they weren't really offered to him, except in the animated short. But that wasn't the powers of the Guardian that he was being offered. So what's going on here? And are you even really Aladai? Like, or even more disturbing possible implication is that Aladai has actually spoken to him before. Possibly. Because, you know. Spirits Aladai hang around in Warcraft. Oh, yeah. They really do. And it may be that, you know, he was busy. We don't know what Cadgar does when he's not with us. And there's a lot of fascinating things that go on kind of behind the scenes. And you kind of wish that you knew what Cadgar was up to. He's one of those characters where I think that they should give him a novel just so that we have that backstory of what he's up to and what's going on in his head. Because I I don't think think that we get enough of that. I think they're probably not going to do that kind of thing before the end of Legion. If right. they ever do, because I think they like him as that character that is kind of mysterious and does. He's kind of fulfilling yeah. the guardian role without mm-hmm. being the guardian. Yeah, he, he he doesn't upstage us as much as the guardian would. No. If there was a guardian of Terrasfall, he would upstage. And what's really weird is if you like going back to the the auto drama, I I loved the fight between Gul'dan and Cadgar. Oh yeah. Because Cadgar is more aggressive than Gul'dan. <laughs> much more Cat- so. well he also didn't have a demon in his head going don't kill that guy <laughs> yeah but even like the way they fought not just the fact that Cadgar came to kill him in the first place but the way they fought was yeah. very interesting i mean and i'm gonna just say it had Gul'dan not had access to the you know extra power from both you know the legion and from the tomb itself he probably would have died because Cadgar was just kicking his butt yeah and Cadgar could have totally pulled it off. I also found it interesting that Cadgar sensed what Aegwin had been doing and kind of had been doing in the Tomb of Sargeras. There's the implication there in the audio drama that Aegwin was the one that put down the keystone. Yeah. Like she mm-hmm. was the one that put down the runes that would open that portal. Yeah. Because only it was... without even knowing that she had done it. Yeah, because she had Sargeras inside her influencing her. There's also like the implication that before she came there, that portal was sealed by the ancient Nightfallen, the elves. Either the, the Nightfallen or Aegwin recognized what she had done and put up wards. Cause I got the it, sense it, that it was older. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Original portal, the original portal was actually built into the structure. And I don't think, let me put it this way, I don't think it was a, a Legion portal originally. 
No, there was a series of events that went on there. And Cadgar was able to pick up on the fact that there was guardian magic there. And there were guardian safeguards put into place to prevent things from happening. So at some point, Agewin must have put down some kind of wards or something like that. Like, there there was a double impression there. There was an impression that she had put in the runes that would open that portal for the Burning Legion in the first place. But there was also the impression that she had put up wards to prevent that from happening. Well, there was also the impression, at least I got listening to the audio drama, that there was stuff put in place to keep the portal shut before Aegwyn ever got there. So maybe that, that portal existed and she just discovered the remains of it or something? Well, I don't know. They're, they're talking about the temple. That's the original temple of Elune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The original one. The yeah. Temple of Sargeras is actually the first temple of Elune. And we've talked about Elune before. Like how Elune is basically coming out to be a, a more and more important figure. She's at least as important as the Titans in terms of Azeroth's sake. Right. Uh, and they, there's a thing somewhere, and I can't remember where I read it. But I remember reading it, and they talk about how the Temple of Elune was built for some unknown purpose originally. And it's where they had the uh, – it's, it's where they basically were trying to get to. When the, when the demons came through, one of the places they wanted to go was the Temple of Elune. Uh, it was one of the things that that was a, a one of the reasons the priesthood of Elune had to basically fight from the beginning. They couldn't be neutral was that they were they were a target. And so, uh, basically what I got out of the drama was something in the basement of that temple was always intended to open a portal. And I think it's basically something along the lines of a Titan Waygate. Maybe. Yeah. But a Possible. lot bigger. I mean, the other the other option, though, too, is, I mean, we don't know who else uh, the Legion had been in contact with for eons, right? Like they, we know that they went through the the whole event at the Well of Eternity, and, and we know that all of that happened. But we don't know anything before that point. Like there could have been minor influences. There could have been, uh, you know, even discussions or or creeping into the brains of the elves that were building those those holy sites. Like they're communing with with deities at this point and they're they're they think they're receiving these commands from you know these holy buildings i mean one of the one of the creatures that you're in their contact with is the deceiver it's not entirely un like out of the realm of possibilities that you know he pretended to be a loon or you know did something that was so convincing that's like yeah you need to build this structure in exactly this way this is how you're going to you know be perfectly in tune with the frequencies of the universe and See, you know influence it from that point on uh, my argument i'm i'm you might be right, but my thing is I think the Temple of Elune predates the Night Elves, and I think it predates – I think it was built by Titanforged. I think it is maybe like like Wormrest Temple mm-hmm. and you know various other sites. I think it is a Titan site, and I think that's because it's, it, it's, it's deeply involved with the Pillars of Creation. They've said so. Uh, one of the Pillars of Creation is right there next to it. The Nightwell has the, the – uh, the, which one is it? Oh, bloody hell. The Amonthul one is right there in Suramar. Yeah. So I think we're, we're going to see what happens. But what really, what was interesting is not just the stuff that Anne said about um, Aegwyn, which w- I think is real fascinating that Aegwyn may have out- put in the things to open it and may have also safeguarded it from opening. Right. Which because implies it that said she's, very you know, directly. I mean, it said very directly in the story. You know, Cadgar's like checking this stuff out, and he goes, "Now I know why this place feels so strange. I haven't felt anything like this since my apprenticeship. I don't know why I sense a guardian's might, Gul'dan, but I see what it's trying to do, and I think I'll help." Yeah. So there was there was something else in there. There it 
Gul'dan even sensed it. He he said this was a this was too complex to be an accident. Someone had anticipated this moment and created a mechanism to stop it. Another source of power was involved. Gul'dan sensed it. It was that other mortal, the one who claimed this place centuries ago. This was her work. Yeah. So what's interesting there is if Aegwin is both the cause of and the solution to this problem, uh, we get one of the, the artifacts in Legion is her staff. It's Aegwin's staff. That is one of yep, the things that, that, is we, true. That, that we get. So is it possible we're going to see more of Aegwin? Is it possible we're going to see Medivh? Here's... Here's where we get into some fun here. <laughs> okay, because um, there was, in the Legion intro quests, one of the quests has you go to Karazhan with Cadgar, and he's talking about when he first came to Karazhan, and you see this little flashback thing with him and Morose, and it all flashes back to the Last Guardian, and it's great and everything, right? Well, then Cadgar starts messing around with the wards that he put up, and then an echo of Medivh pops up and he yells and he says, that which was foreseen has come to pass. The circle nears completion. Sentries attend to our guests. Okay, what circle is he talking about? What is he talking about that he's foreseen? This is kind of this little throwaway line is kind of indicating that this is all premeditated and Medivh knew that this was going to happen. I don't know. Like that's, 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 that's kind of weird. Well, I mean, we keep getting hints that Cadgar has refused to take up a position of power. Right. Um, and at the, the end of the Cadgar short, you get the sense that Cadgar is more convinced than ever that it's not his job. That, you know, the defense of Azeroth can't lie in any one person's hands. So. Uh, no, because if it's in one person's hands, that one person can be corrupted. If it's in the hands of thousands of people... It's a lot harder to corrupt thousands of people well, than it is also, just one ultra-powerful guy. Even if you don't corrupt him, there is the other thing you can do. You can kill him. Even if it is an ultra-powerful guardian, you can kill them because we've seen a guardian die. Sure, yeah, they're still mortal You can kill... you If you have a guardian who's out there fighting the Legion by himself, yeah, he can destroy waves of them, but eventually they can take him down. Well, not only that, but I mean, it, it, it's still the, all that power contained in a mortal frame. You're go- it's going to get tired. It's going to get hungry. It's going to need recovery. It's going to need rest. And you can't channel. And, and we've seen reference to that in the past. So you can't channel all that magic, all that energy without it taking a toll on you. So the Legion can just throw endless waves at a Guardian it and wear them down to the point where or her down to the point where they can't continue to fight and magic can only sustain you for so long before you just explode well i wasn't even thinking about that aspect of it but like look at the broken shore um some of the varian took out a fell reaver by himself yep and still he couldn't stand against them indefinitely so and, no there again, was just no way the, going back to the audiobook um Gul'dan wins that fight because ultimately you know, the Legion can just give, keep giving him resources until he does, you know? And now I'm going to let you talk about that end part that you've been dying to talk about with Gul'dan, so go ahead. Well, after after Gul'dan and, and Khadgar have their fight, uh, Khadgar had to go in there alone because Maiev was too arrogant to help him, and, and also because she had stuff she wanted to check on at the vault. So he goes in there by himself, and although it's a close fight, in the end, Gul'dan manages to tap the fa- the power of the portal beneath uh, the temple, and when he does so, he basically becomes ridiculously powerful, and 
almost kills Cadgar, but Cadgar has, you know, he ice blocks, essentially. He accessed the console commands and yeah. typed in God mode, so, yeah. yeah. So, and then then he and Kill Jaden have a chat, and he basically says, you know, Cadgar told me what happened to the previous Gul'dan, and I don't think he was lying. And Kill Jaden's like, yeah, he, he totally was That's the other fun part, was that conversation, yeah. where Cadgar was trying to distract Gul'dan, so the best way to distract Gul'dan, he says... So did they ever tell you how you died? Yeah. <laughs> and Gul'dan's like, shut no, up. No, no you, they did you, not. <laughs> There's the really fascinating thing is that when, when Gul'dan calls Kill Jaden on this, Kill Jaden is rightly up front about it. He's like, yeah, you betrayed us. We killed you. And you deserve to die for your lack of vision. And, Kill, and Gul'dan's like, I don't need you now. I have all this power. Blah, blah. I will conquer. Maybe I'll come conquer you someday. And Kill Jaden's like, I'm done talking to you. I've I've laid it all out to you, and I'll I'll make this point. I've for all that I'm called the deceiver, I've never lied to you, not once. We made an agreement, and I've kept my end of it. And he has. Yeah, and if you decide that you're willing to play along, then you put that power back in the portal, and we'll come through, and you'll see the legion. Otherwise, you know, enjoy your petty little revenge while you have it, because we'll get there one way or the other, and when we do, you know, uh, we will not forget what you've done. And he cuts off the he cuts off the contact. So Gul'dan's sitting there, going, "I can crush, but I can crush Azeroth easily. I can destroy them." And Cadgar and Maeve find a way in. Maeve is, has come back to help because she realizes, "Oh, that, you know, this ain't good." And so the two of them, Cadgar basically says, "I don't think that we can stop him." And she's like, "I don't see you running away." And he goes, "Fair point. All right." And they go in, knowing that he probably will kill them, but tr- you know, trying desperate to try anything to stop him. And he starts being concerned because he knows he can kill them, but they're still fighting him. Like, and he does a thing. He do, uses his ma- the the power of the portal and does this incredible magical thing, and it doesn't kill them. And they come back at him again. And Maev nearly cuts his throat open. And he's like, "What is going on? They're still. Oh my! It's just like on on Draenor, where I we had all the advantages. We had everything figured out. We had them beat." And they kept coming and they beat the Iron Horde and they fought Archimonde. And they won't run from Archimonde. What will they run from? What could possibly scare them if they're this entire planet is full of crazy people? Hagar and Maev were just the first of many yeah. crazy, foolhardy people who would like, keep the, striking those, him down. Those and, maniacs that fought that fought the Iron Horde, beat the Iron Horde, beat the fell corrupted Iron Horde, and beat Archimonde are going to come for him, and he doesn't have anyone backing him up. And he has no idea how powerful they are. So here's the fun part. It's almost, in a way, like we're a reverse Legion. Yeah. Because the Legion can keep coming. It can keep coming, it can come keep you know beating us down wearing us down and we can kill it and it will come back again and what Gul'dan is realizing here is that he could kill these two really powerful people but there are just as many really powerful people who will hunt him to the ends of the earth and beyond if necessary because they've shown they could do that and And if he doesn't have an army to match their army Mm -hmm. he's gonna lose and that's exactly why he decides to go along with Kil'jaeden and open the portal because of us, because he's scared of us. You know, once again, the heroes of Azeroth have managed to make things worse. That, that seems to be our that seems to be our mo. But the best part though is when he does this, when he opens the portal, he distinguishes himself in Kil'jaeden's eyes, and Kil'jaeden now respects him. He's like, yes, you've you finally demonstrated the vision that you that you lacked. 
know, and now the, the vision Legion... that he'd hoped that Goldon would have. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because so he's still got more plans for him, too. And yeah, like, he's been upfront way... about that. He's like, you have a lot more potential and I need you alive. Yeah. It, it's funny because in a way, Kill Jaden has finally found the proper apprentice. You know what I mean? He's finally Definitely found somebody. Because he says flat out, he says, watch, see what you will inherit. And then he shows him the might of the Legion, like all of it. And Goldod's like, kid in a candy store. Um, well, and in, 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 from what we understand from Gul'dan's short, that's the perfect thing to show him. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, coming from that, that weakness, coming from that, that exiled him, coming you know, from that area where he had no agency in his life, now he's going to have agency over the entirety of the universe. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a that's And Gul'dan's whole hesitance about this, not hesitance, it was like just he didn't want to do it. His whole... The whole reason he didn't want to do it was because he said, I will serve no one. I'm not going to serve anyone. I will yeah. be my own master. But and show him he that realized, he's going to be the master. Well, yeah. Well, then he realized what being his own master entailed. It entailed going up against all of these madmen, um, wardens and former guardians and all this other stuff, you know, going going up against them all by himself. Whereas if he just did this simple task. Of serving Kill Jaden, he would in turn be master of armies upon armies, and, it's, it's and that really was interesting. enough for him. Yeah, there's an interesting point in the conversation between him and Kill Jaden where he's like, "I will have no, you know, no one will tell me what to do, master." And Kill Jaden's like, "Don't be a fool. You have two choices in life: serve something greater than yourself or die alone." I am. Uh, I have a master. If I have a master, do you honestly think you can get away without having one? That's that's like a really powerful thing to discuss because in a way it's true even of people who are like good hearted, they the serve something. People, the only be- person, the only being that that doesn't apply to really is Sargeras because he's at the top of the food chain there. Except he serves something greater than himself. Even if he is crazy, he believes that what he's doing is in the best interest of the universe. He's a servant to that goal. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. I mean, if you talk about like even the greatest heroes and most noble souls on Azeroth, they still are servants. They serve, you know, the greater kingdoms good, serve the world good, or yeah. kingdoms or what have you. There's there's an idea here that transcends morality. In a way, it's you can be the like the noblest or the most vile. You can be a saint or a sinner, but there's an idea of you 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 need something bigger than yourself. If Kill Jaden is telling you, you know, I I'm not my own master. I serve something larger than myself, and, and that's. That's a really interesting way to go into this expansion where you've got this army that fights across entire universes coming to to Azeroth to destroy it. And Gul'dan finally gets the, you know, Gul'dan, who is the ultimate self-centered person. Gul'dan, who is like, has always been out for himself, has finally realized in order to achieve my vision, I have to serve something greater than myself. You've got to fall in line. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting narrative choice because it is the difference between the two Goldons. The first Goldon never mm-hmm. realized this and died for it. And possibly that's because of just the difference in the, I don't want to say the difference in the origin story between the two, but well, I think that know. plays up, yeah. but I think that might play into it because, you know, the first, the first Goldon might have been, you know, devoid of that sort of awakening experience where it's like, he's never been in that position where that's ever been a thing. He's always been able to be on his own or run things or do things from the shadows. And we know for a certain, a certain amount that that's true, right? Like the shadow council and everything else, 
he called the shots. He pulled the thing, the strings behind the scene. He, he even the pulled the puppet. strings. Yeah, he even pulled the strings behind Blackhand. Yeah, he he did everything. This was all his machinations. He all was of a it puppet was. master. And he had nobody, nobody telling him, "You will fail because you don't serve anything greater than yourself." That he had never had that revelation moment, and all of his actions up to that point. Uh, never really swayed him other than thinking he could do this. Whereas this Gul'dan, let's let's be honest, from the time he came into power, from the time that he started serving the Legion, and the time we got there on Draenor to kind of mess with things in him, we've been proving to him, and this is another situation where we ourselves are the cause of this problem, we have been proving to him that he can't do this alone the entire step, the entire process, from the, from the Horde to... The Iron Horde to everything that happened once he, you know, the Fell Horde, all of that. We have done nothing but prove to him, yeah, you you can't really do this, so we're just going to keep stopping you. Peace. We gave him that cookie. We gave him that nugget of truth. We didn't get to do that with the other Gul'dan until way later in his development. It's just kind of interesting to me that they've built Gul'dan up this much. I mean, they made it very clear in the Broken Shore cinematic, basically the moment he killed Varian Rin. Mm-hmm. was the moment that kind of sealed his fate as, oh yeah, no, this guy is a villain. This isn't just somebody who's trucking around Draenor with a cup of green goo. No, he's he's vicious, and he will stop at nothing. The glee on his face, the oh. absolute unquestioned <laughs> glee on his face when they were trying to get away on the airship, and he just comes out and he's like, <laughs> and he holds the staff up, and summons the Fell Reaver through. It's literally he's never been happier in his life. Like, so the other thing that I want to say about that too, about this this Gul'dan and what they've done with him, yeah, they've propped him up a lot, but they've done something that I feel we haven't had in a very long time, which is a long-standing villain that has sus- like substance behind him, has weight to him. Most of the villains that we've experienced, whether it's in the game, uh, as long as it's not like Sargeras are basically these one-shot servings, right? We get this big I don't know. bash for I that. I thought Garrosh was actually pretty well-rounded because Gar- he had a he had a progression to he him. He was he was better. He was definitely better. But I think Garrosh was the prototype for what they're doing with Gul'dan right now because they're like, look, that. we can we can do this. How do we do this better? Hey, we have Gul'dan. Oh, this would be great, and it ties in perfectly with everything they want to do storytelling-wise. So now we finally have a villain that is not just some schlub. Uh, I mean, even Garrosh. Garrosh got where he was going uh, partially from other people pushing him along, right? Gul'dan is, at this point, I I don't want to say carving out his own space, but he really is. Like, Garrosh was as much a a victim of circumstance as he was a villain. Like, his, his brain was just not processing things the way it should. Gul'dan, on the other hand, isn't a victim of circumstance. He's somebody who had a terrible beginning to his life and has now developed and taken everything that's happened to him into sort of like this arch villain status. And I love that. I love the fact that there's weight to him. I love the fact that he's present at all of these events. He's, he's not just some guy that shows up once or twice and gives some weird speech and then disappears. And especially through like reading, cause I didn't listen to the audio drama, which I'm going to correct. I read the thing now um, with the beautiful breakdown, by the way, even there, you see it's like he's there. He's there every step of the way. And it's the continuation of that that I absolutely adore. I, since we've talked about it, I will say this much, though. Um, 
one of the things about the difference between Garrosh and Gul'dan as villainous characters is that you always there was a sense that Garrosh was right from a certain point of view. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the stuff he's saying from his made, perspective, yeah, from his yeah. perspective and his own standards. Yeah. Yes, you, Gul'dan has never not been wholly evil. Yep. And this is an evil act, and he keeps committing evil acts purely for power. Yep. And that's, there's a difference. Garrosh, I never felt like Garrosh was a villain. I felt like we had to stop him, but I didn't feel like he was the Lich King or, you know, the fact that he goes back in time to try and fix things, and he tries to fix things, like, this is Garrosh Hellscream's problem in a nutshell, is that he all he has is an axe, and therefore every problem is solvable via axe. Yeah, pretty much. Even even, <laughs> even time travel shenanigans are are solvable via axing. He gets taken back into another world by a dragon, and the first thing he does is use the dragon's own artifact of power to cut his throat, because that's how Garrosh solves his problems with it, force. And you saw it from the first moment you really ever, like the first time Garrosh ever did anything in game besides complain, when he, when he's in like because I just I was just in Borean Tundra because I wanted to take my character to Dalaran to get the flight point so I could then teleport to Tenaris more easily. Right. Um, so I just saw him in Warsong Hold talking to Sarfang. And his first, he's, he shows up in, in, in Northrend and his first act is, screw it, I'm just going to cut, a, I'm going to cut a path for our army. That's and I mean, even before then, the first time Garrosh showed up like in Azeroth in game, yeah. was that whole pre-Wrath of the Lich King event where... He immediately starts a fight with Thrall. He starts a fight with Thrall because Thrall is not willing to send a bunch of armies up north and just take the fight up there. Yeah. And that's, and... that's Garrosh's thing, is he wants to take the fight to whoever. He's he's very, He was very much a creature of con- confrontation. You know, it, it's one of those that's... weird things... Uh, like I and I equate this to, and I, I know I mention this often, but like to a 40k thing, he's the difference between a sergeant and like a, a captain. Like he doesn't have a broader picture view, right? Like he's but, very in the fight in the trenches. That's where he's comfortable. That's what he wants to do. Contrasting that to Gul'dan, Gul'dan as a villain is a villain because, and and he it's a really Shakespearean thing. He can smile and smile and be a villain. He loves it. He revels in it. This is. This is a guy whose whose entire worldview is it's out it's you know get what you can and that's Goldon in a nutshell he gets what he can and I love Troy Baker's vocal performance for it he's so good um, he's so good <laughs> the audio drama actually managed to get it too although a different it's a very different voice than than Troy Baker's but the audio drama managed to get that too that sense of like that inflection and that intonation. Yeah. That he's not just sinister, although he is sinister, but he's he's a cruel, merciless, and yet he he kind of has a sense of humor about it. And the sense of humor is even worse because he's laughing at people's pain. I think he thought killing Varian that way was the funniest thing he's ever done. Like he, you see the well, big smile on his like face. a balloon. Yeah. yeah, the big smile on his face as he's just as he comes in and Varian's like literally ripping apart from the inside. That's Gul'dan. And what's interesting to me is we're, we've been told we're going to kill him in a raid. You know, that's they've come out and said this. Gul'dan? Now. I thought it was a dungeon, not a raid. It's a raid. It's uh, mm-hmm. the, the Nightfallen one. Okay. The, the big Suramar one. We've been, but the thing is, is it's that... It's not the first raid of the expansion. It's the one that's supposed to come out in early 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. We've been told this. What, what gets me is I'm wondering, do we actually kill him? And does that matter anymore? 
Do I don't any... know. Well, no, he's he accepted has, his place now. If so. he's accepted his place and become one with the Burning Legion, then maybe he's become like the demons where he's impossible to kill. Which would be another difference between the two Gul'dans because the original Gul'dan never did that. So when we killed him, he was dead. Yeah. Versus... Well, I wouldn't say we killed him. When the demons tore him limb from limb yeah, <laughs> for his excellence, he was done. <laughs> but one of the things that even Kill Jaden says is that, you know, the whole, the, the, the original Burning Legion, like they, they, they abandoned the orcs on Draenor and, and all the events that happened, the the first war, second war, happened not because of what Kill Jaden had done, because Kill Jaden was apparently done with him, but in this audio drama, Kill Jaden implies that the reason he left the orcs where they were was because Sargeras had basically told him, okay, step back now, it's mine. It's my he turn. Says, he says flat out, Gul'dan died because he split the Horde, and the Horde was doing the Legion's work. He flat out says this. Yeah, he said, he, well, he said that Gul'dan betrayed the Legion, and yes. Gul'dan betrayed the Legion because Gul'dan was in charge of the Horde, and he wasn't able to keep it in line. And the whole bit when he when he splits off to go to the tomb of Sargeras, that's the sin for which they kill him. Because even with Orgrim Doomhammer in charge, the Horde was doing what the Legion wanted. And the Horde, keep in mind that the Horde would have won the Second War had Gul'dan not taken off. They absolutely they were, would have won. If Gul'dan had stayed put, and they had all of the Death Knights, and they had Gul'dan's casters, and they had everything else, they would have ripped through Lordaeron like... A hot knife through butter. There would have been no stopping, no stopping them. We can possibly debate whether or not the uh, fleet that was coming south would have helped. But at any rate, Gul'dan definitely messed up big time. And the thing is, is the Legion killed him for that, which means that up until the end of the Second War, the Horde was still working for the Legion. They weren't even with Doomhammer in charge. They were still doing what the Legion wanted, and that's fascinating. Well, yeah, because that 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 whole lethargy didn't didn't really kick in until after they'd been defeated and once they'd been defeated i think pretty much what that was was that was the legion just abandoning them because their toys didn't work and all that fell power that they'd been imbued with just kind of leached away what's really interesting too is what does this mean for the future going forward like what does it mean for like Oh, it's just there's a lot going on here that we haven't even really covered, like Maev, like in the Maev mm-hmm. showing up to fight. I mean, for all that you know, she didn't want to be there and didn't trust Cadgar. Uh, she still nearly killed Gul'dan. Like she nearly. Oh cut yeah, his- absolutely. Um, she's so, vicious. Yeah, she's she is. She kind of she kind of has to be. Yeah, and I think that in terms of timeline, as far as this goes, the end of the audio drama, obviously, Gul'dan has opened the portal. Cadgar takes off because he's just frantic at this point. And Maiev takes off and she takes off for the Vault of the Wardens. And I think that's where her story intersects with the Demon Hunter intro. Yeah. I think that's literally like she she gets there just as soon. Just like she, a few she gets there in time to let the Demon Hunters free. Because obviously they're going to need him at this point. And, and then witnessed Gul'dan getting together with Cordana and taking off with the one thing that she was intent on guarding, which would be Illidan's corpse. What are they going to do with that? They even say, when you, 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 you were there, you did it with me. Yeah. Um, they even come out and say, he's, his body is cold, but his spirit's still fighting. He will need be, to be prepared. Right. That's, Gul'dan says that. 
Right. So there's going to be like... The fun part is that in all of my leveling throughout the alpha and the beta and everything else, we have not heard a peep about what happened to Illidan. Like, not a peep. Yeah, it's true. Like, we, we, we know that they stole his body. We don't know what else they did with so him. So is he going to come into play in the Nighthold? Because I don't think he is. Well, he's where, you know, I would assume that he's wherever Gul'dan is, right? I'm going to assume that he's probably going to be part of one of those future content patches yeah. that we just haven't gotten to yet. Um, which I'm really is, excited about because it's like, what happened to him? Where'd he go? We kill, we kill Gul'dan. They take Gul'dan's brain. They put it in Illidan's body. <laughs> Illidan becomes a death. No, they can't though. I mean, something good has no, to happen wait. with Illidan because he got the holy boop. Remember? Take Gul'dan's head off. Right, they, but they, in the Illidan, they, they deflash it so it's a skull. They put the skull in Illidan's hand. And then Illidan is being controlled by the skull he's carrying around. But eventually he throws that off. It's like a reverse Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> but no. I it, was not prepared. It, As far as I'm concerned, you know, in the Illidan novel, there was that moment there where Illidan got, he got the holy boop. He got the same kind of holy boop that Urel got from, from Velen, only on a much larger scale because he got it from Anaru. Obviously that's going to come into play at some point, right? Uh, there's, I've got like theories about what's going on with the Naro in this expansion, but I don't know if we want to it's, talk. Or not. Yeah, let's, that's that's a little bit too far out of the way. Obviously, next time we we come together and we record another show, we're going to be talking about Legion stuff because we're all going to be you know hip deep. Two weeks like, into it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> probably with a one ten, maybe more than one. Who knows? But yeah, it, it's interesting to me though that. You know, there's this big deal made about how they dragged his body away, and yet we haven't really seen what they've done with it or what their plans are for it. And or why it's the key to Azeroth's destruction. Yeah, there's there's nothing yeah, that's there's... been said about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that has to do with the fact that, that, you know, Illidan's spirit was skipping around like that. I mean, he went to, he was at Kill Jaden's homeworld, wasn't he? Yeah, when book. he got the holy boop. Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay, so obviously, Kill Jaden's got some kind of invested interest, in, or some kind of vested interest in this because he had to have been aware that Illidan was poking around, that Illidan was doing something. Um, well, they know about the Sargerite Keystone because they know oh, about hey, that. They got that. Thought. Wait a minute. How, do 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 the demon hunters still have that? No. No. Cordana does. Yep. So Cordana has the Sargerite Keystone. Yep. So now the Legion probably has it again. But they yep. know that Illidan was going for it. Right. So they have kind of like an inkling into what he'd had planned. But he he isn't really able to do anything at the moment. So, so yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, obviously, this is stuff that's going to come up in future patches. And this also makes me excited for future patches. And it also makes me say, um, if you haven't read that novel, it would read be it. a really good idea to read it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. Like, seriously, if, if I was gushing about this stuff that hadn't convinced you, consider this me begging you. Just go read it. it it's worth it. Trust me. If so, nothing else, um, by the way, if you've read the novel, the things, the stuff Altruis is saying in the Demon Hunter starting zone will make a lot more sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, Quite a bit it, more. It's actually, one, one of the downsides, I will say this, the Demon Hunter starting zone is really well done. Um, the, the cinematics for it are really good, but... They don't do a good enough job giving you. If you play through it, it kind of it it sort of front loads you towards Kane. Yeah, very much. Uh, and so I mean, even to the point where you click on the waters and you see the Harbinger's short. Yeah. And you see that Illidan does have 
good intentions, vicious intentions, but good intentions because that viciousness is totally directed at the Burning Legion. And they don't show you like his his how he planned to and then did murder thousands of people. He actually like got um, Maev to lead an army against him so mm-hmm. he could kill it for the purposes of a ritual to feed that portal that yeah. opened up into another world. So. Altruist's side really isn't given a lot of weight, so it's very hard to go with Altruist. As but a he's hunter. also kind of worthy to go with, though, because he does make an interesting point. Yeah, you just um, don't get it. It doesn't get enough narrative shown. No, don't I don't get, think it does. Yeah, that's that's the one downside I have with the Demon Hunter thing. It's very hard to pick Altruist, whereas you really should. It should be more of a hard choice. So my question is Cadgar has no intentions of being a guardian do you think maybe he's going to be shoved into that role anyway whether he likes it or not i think that is a possibility and i was actually thinking about that it's totally something that he may not have a choice over it may be thrust upon him in such a manner where he'll have to reach for that power because it's it's there somewhere oh well here's another problem another interesting take on that uh if you're a mage you become head of the terrace fallen yeah. Which was an order the Order of Terrasfall made to watch basically, you know, what if the Guardian goes nuts? We need this order. Right. Uh, and the thing is, is that you get made that in Dalaran. So you've, the Terrace Fallen did not work for the Tor. The secrets and, of the Guardians yeah. are no longer secrets at this point in time. They may have been when Cadgar was young and when Medivh died and everything. But ever since then, obviously, those secrets have been kind of revealed over the process of time. To a degree, to a degree. I mean, Jaina met Agewin face yeah. to face. She was hanging that's, out with her for quite a while. That's actually another interesting thing is where does Kagar is possibly a choice for the Guardian, but he's going to be front and center fighting this. And he said no multiple times. I can think of a mage on Azeroth who's equally as powerful as Kagar. And very has a, angry. Angry enough to say yes and knew a Guardian firsthand, just like he did. He studied with Medivh. Do you think we're going to get a Guardian Jaina? It's, I'm not saying we will, but I'm saying she certainly could be a candidate. She I could mean, be. How, how many? How much time did she spend with Aegwin? I mean, at least years before Aegwin's death. As, yeah. as, a, as a player of the Horde, that scares me. <laughs> Here's yeah. the thing, too, though. It's like, honestly, I honestly do. I, I get why that Jaina's, you know, her depiction right now is full-on screaming anger at the Horde, but... To be guardian, she's kind she'd have of to... justified in that, though. Oh yeah, I'm not even arguing that. But to be guardian, she'd have to be in control of her anger. Yeah, she would. She, because the guardian, the power of the guardian is beyond anything a mortal mage normally wields. Aegwyn uh, took out the Avatar of Sargeras by herself. She lived hundreds of years. She, she didn't age. During she that time. extended her lifetime far longer than it was ever meant to be. Yeah, and then even after she wasn't guardian anymore, she didn't die. You know, she so she brought Medivh back from the dead. Yeah, there's there's a lot of potential there. And I do, I don't know, like Kagar is not the only person who could end up with the job. I mean, Jaina is certainly a possibility. Um, OK. Meanwhile, also, there's another thing we haven't even talked about this much. What? But Surmar and, you know, their their enchantrix uh, that brings in that drags in a whole bunch of other stuff. What's going to happen? Like the Tomb of Sargeras is right on their doorstep. They're currently working for the Legion, and they they predate any such guardian. They they have magical secrets going back to the you know ancient. And they've had ten thousand years to quietly you know yeah practice undisturbed. There's, like, <laughs> there's two mages on Azeroth that I would put above Cadgar or Jaina. Uh, one is Ashara, 
Absolutely. And the other is probably the the, the Grand Enchantrix of the of the of the high of the the Nightborn. She's probably so? oh she's she's heir to a magical tradition ten thousand years old. You know she's got all this time. She's been in charge for that time, and she has access to the Nightwell, which is essentially another kind of you know well of eternity. And she's got one of the freaking pillars of creation in her hands. This is true. She's got, I mean, we're probably going to end up killing her, but I, I think she is definitely not someone to be trifled with. And she's got, you know, if Gul'dan accessing the power of the portal could, could hold off Cadgar, I definitely think she's a threat, a significant so major threat. Let's, let's talk about, just to kind of wrap things up here, there are a few things, obviously, that haven't really come to light yet. Jaina's fate, like where she went to after she got mad, right? Um, Illidan's fate, because we don't know where he went to after he got carted off by Cordana and Gul'dan. Medivh, because there is that weird thing that he says in Karazhan, and it's just an echo of Medivh. But the fact that it implies that he's somehow foreseen these things that were supposed to happen makes me wonder if he's going to be some kind of element in the future that we're going to have to contend with or ally with. You guys both saw the, uh, the, the Karazhan return to Karazhan trailer, right? Yes. Yes. When Morose is talking about preparing the place for the master's return. Yep. Yes. I saw that. Yep. Yes. Uh, so 7.1. I'm really excited for. I mean, I don't, I don't know how sane Morose is. Like, you know, he, he wasn't... He might just be saying things for the sake of saying things. Or he might... Well, he might be, like, he might be crazy and like, oh, the Master will always return. Or yes. he could be he could be onto something. He's bound to eternal servitude to yeah. whatever. And then, okay, but that's that's shortlist, right? There's a, there's a fourth thing on that list. And the fourth thing is probably, arguably, the most important. And that would be Rathion. Yep, that's that's fair. He's... And they've said... Above anyone back. else, he should be invested in all of this. And yet we don't see him. But they have said that he will be around. Yeah. They have come out and said it. Uh, I think it was Eon has a cost this. Yeah, but they, I mean, I'm a little, I don't want to say skeptical about that because they've kind of. He was there and they took him out. out and put And put something else in his place. Right. So obviously they have something bigger in mind for him, I'm assuming. Hopefully. But with those four things in mind, and there are probably dozens of others that I can't think of, like right off the top of my head. We have so much kind of waiting in the wings for end game lore content if they're going to go that route and also future patches we do know that 7.1 is going to bring Karazhan back into play we don't know in what context that's going to happen and I'm kind of excited to see exactly how that plays out and what's involved with that I've, I've made no uh, no illusions of how I want that to go down and I'm sure that Illidan, <laughs> Illidan is going to come back in a big way at some point because hello he's in the trailer he's been in all of the promo material they aren't going to pull another Burning Crusade I honestly I still think they're going to anti-Burning Crusade it where like the secret last boss is Illidan <laughs> they're going to just like well we're done now right we've beaten no, the Legion that's I don't think they're Illidan. going to make him the last boss though because he got the holy boop uh, it doesn't I, mean I they can't be the last like, boss. I, I, it just I means they can't kill him. It, it could be it could be a redemption boss. We could they've, be we could, we've done that before. Of, I feel like that they've put that thing in a play so that you know there is a way to redeem him or whatever. But then you know the whole thing with Jaina. I keep expecting she's got to come back at some point. She can't just leave it like that. Ooh, what That's if we have to not go? What Jaina Proudmore would do? What if we have to pull a Sunwell and go inside of Illidan and kill the Gul'dan and the demon stuff? 
Inside to free him of from him? The, Are you talking like like in in like the like we did with like we did with Caligos? Like it was the the like honey I shrunk the yeah united armies of the well, I mean we've we've, we've we've done it multiple times. Are we at pulling this point. in inner space with sure. <laughs> dibs on being Martin Short? Here's the only time. Don't you want to be inside me? <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, seriously though, think like it's funny that just think about it. Like that could be that could be a possibility too. It, like maybe that's something we have to do with Illidan. Like, look, here's what we know. You never know. Happen. Malfurion's going to give in to the chicken inside him and become the Death Clock. And then we're going <laughs> <laughs> to. I'm sorry, Taranda, but bok bok bok. Well, actually. We, in all sincerity, we do know that Malfurion's got some hard times coming for him, so who knows? So we we've do. got we've got basically we've got it neatly laid out where there are several plot points that may come traipsing back towards us in future patches. And for me, that's making Legion as a whole kind of it's looking up to me in comparison I'm, to Warlords, where we only got like the two patches and only one of them really had anything heavy lore yeah. but to be fair that's not that that warlords didn't have the potential for more they just didn't deliver it so it's not it had all kinds of potential it's just we never really saw it um it says the guy that you know was like salivating to go to farallon and they're like ah, i might show up later and then it didn't yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of hoping i'm i can't say that i'm hoping i know that Blizzard tends to take lessons from from previous expansions and carry those into the next ones. And I feel like Warlords of Draenor was just kind of... They tripped. And it was probably the first time that they've really tripped up. Cataclysm was a minor trip up because they spent so much time focusing on expanding the lore of the leveling experience that they didn't quite do end content justice, as much justice as it could have had. But people were still, by and large, pretty happy with that expansion. They weren't like, they weren't mad at it. <laughs> Mists of Pandaria still, I think, as far as lore goes, is right at the top of the list for expansions, as far as I'm concerned, because I think that they delivered on all fronts. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and Warlords, it just it feels like they tripped. They tripped on the sidewalk, fell, scuffed their knees. They've they're in the middle of standing up, brushing themselves off, and I I get the distinct feeling just from playing through the alpha and the beta that we're about to see something extraordinary again. And I hope, I hope that's the case. I'm going to be really sad if it's not. <laughs> I really feel like they, when they started with warlords, they got to a certain point and they brought in all those new people and then they just kind of shifted it all to Legion. And they it was really a wanted to work on Legion more <laughs> yeah. because it doesn't, you know, Legion just feels ridiculously dense. I mean, crap, just, just the, 36 artifact quest lines that you're going to be unfolding by themselves. That's, that's an expansion's worth of lore. Oh yeah. Easily. We're probably, we need to go ahead and wrap this up. But um, as far as the audio drama is concerned, did you guys like the whole audio drama presentation? Would you like to see more of these kind of things where it's an audio drama versus just a story that they put on the website? I absolutely love audio books to begin with. And whenever they're available, I will get them as well as the print book because when they're done really well, they're fantastic. Uh, this I thought like I and not to say that I didn't listen to all of them because I listened to the first two before I had to just catch up by reading. But I thought they were presented very, very well. I thought the quality of the the audio drama was there. And I also think it's something that it's a media that doesn't get a whole lot of love usually. And I would love to see more presentations like this. Because I think it serves the content, it serves the story very well. 
I'm going to just say that while I thought this was very good and I would not have any problems with them doing it again, this was an audiobook. What I want from them, although I certainly don't mind if they do more of this, I want them to get together eight to ten actors. Old-timey radio do, style. Do an audio play. I want yep. to actually do an audio drama because there are they're out there. There's like, you know, Return to Night Vale and all that stuff on the web. There's there's a there's a place for it. And I'd love to see it. But this was really good. It I was mean, like a hybrid in between an audiobook yeah. and that. Because, I mean, they did have the musical score, which was and great. And the sound effects. They had the sound effects, which were great. And the guy who's doing the narration, he was fantastic. And yeah, he I did a very good job. Yeah, I, I, he was great. And I really enjoyed it. It's just, I'd like to see the same thing that you'd like to see, Rossi, where they bring in the voice actors and have the voice actors actually like play out the parts. I think that would be really fun. Quite frankly, I almost hope they never kill Goldon just so Troy Baker keeps doing the voice because he does an amazing he's job at the so voice. He's so good. He's so good. Everybody involved with this is good. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I've run across a voice that's like really irritated me. I, I'm glad that they've amped up the 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 voice tracks for everybody like throughout the questions and things like that. They've, they've brought some voices back and even they're doing better. Mm-hmm. Like some Although, of the voice actors they've, that have returned have, are throwing in some really good stuff. Although I will say if they ever get into the point where they need like a narrator between like story scenes and stuff like that, uh, can I recommend y'all talk to James Marsters? Because I would love to hear him like totally do the 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 sort of over overarching story and sort of narrator stuff for the for any of these. If they do like a full blown audio drama, that would be pretty cool. I could be on board with that. Okay, well, that's kind of wrapping us up for this time around um blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and for you guys i know we've 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 talked about this to death but we're going to bring it up again if you're listening and you enjoy what we do and you'd like us to keep doing it you can help support us audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service one of the books that they have is illidan um you can download that as your free book if you'd like to and you can sign up to do that by going to blizzardwatch.com audible you can download illidan they also have a bunch of blizzards other books there too so if you've missed any of the lore up until this point this is probably a pretty good opportunity to catch up anyway i guess well we're kind of on 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 the on, on the edge of leaping into legion here guys because mm-hmm. it's yep. tuesday it, it's tuesday today is sunday the day that we're recording this um, for people that are listening to it on the website, we recorded it two days before Legion's launch. So, um, I'm guessing next time we get together, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about artifacts. Maybe we'll talk about those pillars of creation. I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. But, uh, what are you guys really looking forward to lore wise? I guess that's, that's what our final thoughts are going to be. So real quick, Joe. Oh, God, you're going to make me choose. Uh, Honestly, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is how all of these individual elements are starting to come together into a very cohesive, overarching story. Because that's one of the things I feel that while a lot of expansions have had, it hasn't really been done super well. And I think Legion is raising the bar and saying, yes, we can actually do this better. And all these little things, all the artifact 
all the NPCs, all those individual lores, uh, the the Order Hall campaigns, everything ties in to a larger cohesive story that makes the greater sum feel better than the individual parts. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about is experiencing all of those individual parts and seeing how they all play into that larger story. What about you, Rossi? Stromkar the Warbreaker. I am a simple man with simple tastes. There's a gigantic sword that was that belonged to Thoradin, first human king on Azeroth, and it's currently buried inside a monster's head. I'm going to go get it, and then I'm going to go use it against the Legion. And I am looking forward to whatever that story takes me. Because I'm... we have not had lore on this in eons. Yep. And it's, it's like all this stuff that you and I and Joe and everybody have talked about forever. And we're finally going to get to see it. We're going to get to see what the heck's going on in Terrasfall, the whole thing. Why it's named Terrasfall. It turns out that it's named Terrasfall for a reason. I think for me, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to seeing what the story department has in store for us this time. Because, like I said, I've played through Alpha, played through Beta what's unfolding here is pretty extraordinary and I can't wait to see where it goes once I hit level 110 and keep mm-hmm. going from there. Um, and 7.1, I'm super excited for 7.1. Medivh and Karazhan have always been like two cornerstones of my favorite things. <laughs> so I'm hoping maybe we'll we'll see some more secrets of Karazhan revealed or, or, or something at that point. And Rathion, I want to see Rathion come back because I love that guy. So that's about it. But I mean, that kind of encompasses everything. So yeah, I'm just really looking forward to Legion. Uh, so thanks for listening, you guys. We will see you in two weeks and we will probably be talking your ears off about Legion and everything that we found in between. See you next time. Thank you.